Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Nittany Pod. I am AP. Again, I have alongside me Alex and Tyler. Today, we are going to be getting into fall camp happenings. We're going to talk about some season superlatives. We're going to give out our most improved player, things like that. And then we will project the Big Ten season, talk about some other teams real quick, and then we will get into some of our favorite games that we are looking forward to this year. So let's get into some of these camp updates. On Saturday, the press was able to meet with the team again for the second time. This time, it seemed like they had a bit of a bigger window as uh, on Monday, I think it was. They only had 15 minutes to observe the team. Uh, But on Saturday, it looks like they got some more time. And uh, we got quite a bit of we got quite a few updates, I should say, from uh, the coaching staff and some of the players. Um, The first thing I want to mention is James Franklin mentioned that this is the most depth that the team has had in years and um you know obviously that excites you but you know with the way things have gone the past two years it's hard to get too excited yeah that's a fair statement for sure um with the last two years i think it's hard for for anybody to you know to to look towards positive sometimes um but I think he's exactly right. And, you know, we can, we can dive into it in a little bit or we can do it now, whatever you want to do, but yeah, we can do it now. Um, I, I've been saying it the, the past two years, you know, the way they've been recruiting, um, you know, how they develop is a whole nother story, right. When they get, when they get here. Um, yeah. But obviously, you know, at pure athleticism, it, it, the past two years and, and obviously next year, as we project into next year already, um, it's going to be probably one of the most athletic teams Penn State's ever had. Um, and I, I think he's exactly right. I think the depth has been an issue. We do have some depth issues, right, this year, uh, but not not even near as many as we've had in the past as far as the two deep across the board and things like that. Um, specifically, the receiver room probably, right? Um, oh, yeah. That's a room that I think is, is really strong across the depth chart. Um, I think the defensive line is getting there. Actually, I didn't. I don't think I would have been saying that when the season ended last year. Um, <laughs> but I think the defensive line is getting there as well. Yeah, it's been interesting, right? Like the past few years, there's always been a lot of questions on depth in quite a few rooms, and it seems like this year there's only some questions on depth in, I'd say maybe two rooms, and that being the linebackers and offensive line. Yeah, Alex, what do you think? Yeah, I would kind of agree with everything Tyler mentioned. Um, definitely a little bit more insight coming out of Saturday's practice, um, specifically because it was, you know, Penn State's media day. So not only did you hear from Franklin, you heard some from position coaches as well, along with, with players. So definitely got a little bit more insight on some major, well, I shouldn't say major, but some key uh, position battles yeah, that are going on right now. Um, but yeah, I would agree with Franklin's statement that, that this is probably the most depth he's, he's had. Um, and I think, I think that's largely because this is, this is really overall a pretty young team. Look, if you look at it, um, you know, and with, with people declaring early and, and stuff like that, that makes, that makes teams younger just naturally. Right. But, um, with how young some of these groups are, um, you know, the, the depth kind of just builds on it. Um, and then when you have talented freshmen coming in, you know, that 2022 class, 
um, you know, some players in there that could possibly see quite a bit of playing time this year. Um, you know, the depth just seems deeper because you're like, holy cow, you know, that, you know, Nick Singleton's a true freshman and, you know, could be our main guy. You know, we'll see yeah. how the season plays out. But yeah, you know, um, I, I think if you took Sean Clifford out of the equation, because we know he's been here for like 100 years. But if you took Sean out of the equation, I'd, I'd be interested to see where Penn State stacks up as far as being a young team in the country, because I feel like, yeah, they'd definitely be one of the youngest. Um, Alex, you mentioned uh, we on Saturday we got to – it was media day, and they got to talk about – or talk to some assistant coaches. Um, the first one I want to get into is Stacy Collins, the special teams coach. Um, obviously, we, we have a competition going on right now for kicker and punter, as Jordan Stout was taking over those duties the past couple years, and uh, he's gone now, so we got to fill those. And um, it was interesting on Saturday, he said the kicking competition will last the whole camp, which I'm not surprised um, between Sander and Jake Penninger. Um, They both look solid right now, he says. But the thing that I was actually really surprised about is Barney Amore is leading the way right now in the punting room. Um, It's not it's nothing set in stone right now. Um, But, yeah, that that really shocked me because I expected uh, Biketa to kind of. Wow. Yeah, that's a that's a big boy too. If I if I remember correctly, with Barney, yeah, he Moore. is. That's a that's going to give some people some Joey Joey Julius vibes um, <laughs> running down the field. But um, yeah, I I was also shocked to hear that. I I do think um, Bachetta might win the job eventually because I know obviously some of the people we've talked to right that have seen him live kicking live before punting live before. Sorry. Um, that he just has a boomer for a leg. And when he hits, when he kicks the ball, it just comes off different. So um, obviously excited to see that progress as well. Yeah. It's weird. I'm not, I'm not like overly concerned with the punting game um, to be honest. And I'll, you know, I'm not saying Jordan Stout isn't a big loss because he is obviously right. The dude was phenomenal in terms of flipping a field, but Penn state has done really a, a great job of producing really good pun, really good punters. Like under you, baby. Uh, you, you know, Jordan. <laughs> yeah, I mean Jordan for the brand, right? I mean Jordan Stout was. Um, I'm sure Pat McAfee will tune in and and hear that. Uh, <laughs> but uh, Jordan Stout was was phenomenal, right? And then before that, we had Blake Gilligan. Uh, you know, you know, rocking bombs. I mean, the New Orleans Saints had. Blake Gilligan appreciation tweet. So, I mean, yeah, I, I'll be honest. In terms of position battles, that's not one that I'm, like, super locked in on and, uh, you know, like, oh, my God, who's going to win this? Um, as long as the kid can get a punt off, you know, with decent hang time and, you know, pin pin teams inside the five every now and then, I'll be happy. Uh, you know, I think that I think the true freshman from everything I've heard will – will probably uh be the guy long term right but uh but yeah there's there's other position battles that I that I'm sure we're going to get into that I'm I'm a little bit more uh interested in let's say yeah for sure and let's let's get into those um a big surprise in my opinion Keon Wiley the freshman linebacker Mm. from Philadelphia huge surprise supposedly inserted his name into the middle linebacker competition 
And I'm, I'm shocked by that because I didn't think he projected as a middle linebacker to begin with. Uh, but apparently he's been doing some things and uh, he's kind of forced the coaching staff to put him in that competition. The biggest thing for me when I heard that was I didn't think Keon's measurables were, were Mike linebacker type measurables, right? Yeah, kind right. of a, yeah. kind of a yeah. smaller guy, you know, maybe more of a outside linebacker type. Um, but yeah, I mean, for him to, for him to insert his name into that, and I don't know if it was so much inserting, like when we do these, we're always trying to like read and infer what the coaches mean. Right. Cause they're not coming out and just saying, you know, Keon is the starter. Um, but obviously, you know, they feel, you know, if they're putting him there from the start of his career, like they obviously feel there's something there. Right. Yeah. Um, in, in the long run. So for him to insert himself in that conversation this early was super, super surprising. But then it also begs the question, what does that mean for Abdul Carter? Because he was kind of the guy where I thought mm, maybe, uh, you know, he's a guy like at some point or and what does that mean for a younger guy like Kobe King? Um you know, I think it's a good thing that younger guys are going to, especially in this 2022 class, because it was just so loaded with talent. These younger guys are going to push the older guys, which James Franklin kind of always preaches about. Um, you know, it's it's only a good thing when you have true freshmen coming in and, you know, a, maybe a sophomore or juniors there. And it's like, uh oh, like my job's not necessarily safe if you know, this young kid comes in and, and, you know, outworks or outperforms or gets his chance and takes advantage. So, um, yeah, super surprised with Keon Wiley's name popping up, but in my opinion, it it's only good news for Penn state. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I would, um, I, I would agree with Alex there. Uh, I think, uh, definitely not a name that I was expecting to hear, obviously excited to see what that does mean for Advil Carter and Kobe King and Tyler Elson as well, obviously, um, but I think what it does speak to is exactly what we, we thought we were getting with the re recruiting class we just had here. Um, I think, you know, all of us were really high on this class and we thought some of these guys who'd come in and push for some time right away and turn some heads right away. Um, and I think the reports that we have gotten from the little time that media has been there is that's exactly what they're seeing. Um, so I would say if you are a Penn State fan and you are big into recruiting and have followed this class – that it seems like so far everyone has been as advertised that they were excited about. Um, so, you know, I'd much rather, like Alex said, obviously it's all good news, much rather have people battling for positions early and turning heads and creating pressure or applying pressure than not hearing anything at all about people. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, and, you know, it's, it's funny because I think back, Oh, I don't even know when it was. It was definitely more than a few months ago. But Keon Wiley posted a tweet and said, um, "I'm not. I'm not going somewhere to sit the bench my yeah. freshman year. I'm going. I'm going somewhere to play." And uh, at the time, you know, knowing that, you know, knowing what his frame is and uh, all that, you know, I was like, "All right, yeah, sure." You say that now, but you know, yeah, it's lip service at that point. You know? Yeah, exactly. But then now to hear that he's coming in and, you know, actually walking the talk. Um, it's, it's wonderful to hear. Um, 
You guys mentioned Abdul What's... Carter, and I tell you what, man, I saw a picture of him and Deny Dennis Sutton standing next Freak. to each other on the sideline. They look massive. Oh my gosh, they look incredible. DDS is a grown man. Yeah, they both are. They... Yeah. So... I mean, I did. I also saw a picture of Must Pfeiffer and Hakeem Beeman standing next to each other. They also look massive. Um, yeah, you know, you know, um, I think Alex. I don't know if it was Alex earlier when we were talking. Mustafer might be the most in shape 300 pound person I've ever seen. Yeah. I think it yeah. was him that said that. Yeah. He, he's, he's a specimen for sure. But, but, you know, um, I saw sorry. a uh, tweet on Saturday from <laughs> Tyler's favorite Penn State reporter, Audrey Snyder. And it was a video of Abdul Carter in a, uh, drill he snagged a one-handed catch that was i mean i can't i can't put an emphasis on how impressive it was yeah. it, it put some wide receiver catches to shame um and if you haven't seen it yet you can check our twitter profile at at the nittany pod and uh it's, it's one of the most recent tweets <laughs> that dude is going to be he's going to be hard to keep off the field it doesn't matter where you play him Outside linebacker, middle linebacker, defensive end. He, he's going to play. Yeah, pretty excited about Abdul Carter for sure. And I, I saw the video that you're mentioning, Aaron. Um, you know, it was pretty ridiculous. And maybe maybe he'll have a little bit more luck than our last number 11 uh, was snagging <laughs> some interceptions. Micah, Micah didn't struggle it much, but he seemed to struggle with, you know, picking – picking the ball off but uh boy had butterfingers yeah yeah obviously no knock against Micah because the dude's a beast but um but yeah Abdul Carter I I think's a guy that that could really make some noise this year um and going back to the Keon Wiley thing if I can for a minute yeah you know I don't know I can't remember was he on campus early like did he come early oh I don't remember if he was one of the only or not well I mean, it doesn't, I guess it doesn't really matter. But the only reason I ask is because we talked about measurables. Um, you know, if he got on campus early and started working with uh, Coach Lorig and strength and conditioning, and, you know, we we all know that our strength and conditioning is probably one of, if not the best in the country, in my opinion. Um, yeah. And these kids, these kids put on weight and muscle in a hurry once they get on campus. So he could be a lot bigger than, you know, maybe we think. Uh, so I just wanted to mention that, uh, you know, before people are, uh, you know, thinking, oh my God, we're going to have an undersized middle linebacker. That's, that's not, that's obviously not the case if coaches are, are putting him there already. Or Alex, I'm glad you made that point because I watched a video. Um, it was actually tweeted out by the football team a few days ago, but I watched it today finally. And, uh, it was an interview with Parker Washington and uh, I think it was Brian Tripp that did it and he was asking Parker you know how, how are you feeling this year how's your body feeling you know how's everything going and Parker said man this is the best I felt ever and uh, he pre- he pretty much gave all the credit that is possible to the strength and conditioning staff and uh, of course Chuck Losey is the head of that and um, you know it's it's awesome to hear because I mean we all talking know that we lost a legend in uh, Dwight Galt this offseason. And, uh, I mean, we knew Losey was good, but, you know, Galt had been here 
since Franklin got here. And, uh, I mean, he was incredible in his own right. So to get the notion that Losey has picked up where Galt left off and maybe even taken a, a step further, um, that makes me feel very, very good. Losey also has the best mustache game in college football. That's hands down. But, yeah, I think I said Lorig before. I, I'm not sure why I said Lorig, but. Yeah, you could have been uh, working with him too. You know, the strength and conditioning, <laughs> the strength and conditioning coaches, you know, have done a tremendous job, and it just proves it because of how much talent, uh, you know, Penn State has put it put into the next level in years past. Um, yeah, you know, and we all know their numbers at combines have been insane, freakish. But, I um, I want to ask, you know, obviously you guys. Um, a comment was made by Mike Gears here. So I think it was the first time we've, we've kind of got a straight up answer on how they feel about, you know, the run game right now. Right. Um, and obviously that's due to the offensive line, right? Like that's a little bit of a reach, but you can't have a run game without an offensive line. So, right. Um, Yersic said, you know, strides are being made in the running game. You know, what do you make of that? You know, what do you, what do you think? Do you think he's installing confidence or just do they really think, um, things are going well right now. <laughs> to be honest with you, <laughs> I think he's saying that because uh, Nick Singleton is putting on a show. Um, and, and that's not a knock to the offensive line or anything. Obviously, you know, I, I really hope that they've improved. And, um, you know, like Franklin says, you know, we're not going to we're not going to talk about it. Just show it. Um, so for Mike Yurches to say that, I really think he's mostly talking about I've, I've, you know, I've heard Kevon Lee is slimmed down, but we've heard a lot about Nick Singleton just coming in and right away being the best back in the room. Yeah. Yeah, I would add, um, you know, it could be the offensive line. Um, you know, I don't want to – I kind of want to take Franklin's approach and not say, you know, this is the year that it's going to be better. But, um, you know, I – Speaking about them, there, you know, Phil Troutline made an interesting comment on Saturday as well, saying that Sam Wor- Wormley at the moment would be the starter um, over Hunter Nurzad. So um, that was a little surprising to me. Um, you know, Hunter, I thought kind of would be would be the guy. I know Sam before his injury. Uh, Franklin mentioned last year that he would have probably been a starter if, if not for that injury last year. So maybe I shouldn't be as surprised um, as I was, but I guess I just kind of thought, you know, transfer coming in offensive line, uh, you know, he's just going to slot into one of those guard positions. Uh, But the way it sounds that that battle there is, is maybe a little bit tighter than I, than I expected, Uh, which again is only a good thing. Uh, but yeah, um, you know, significant gains in the, you know, the running game, uh, you know, I don't know what to make of that. Uh, I probably won't make anything of it until I see something, uh, you know, Penn state didn't have a hundred yard rusher last year. So, you know, give me a hundred yard rusher, Mike, and I'll believe that you made significant gains. How's that? Well, going off of that point, um, it, it's funny because our, our friend Morgan 
tweeted a video today. You know, it's it's tw- as of today's recording, it is 24 days until Penn State football. And uh, that means Kevon Lee amount of days until Penn State football. And he posted a video of Kevon breaking a long run against Indiana last year. And um, another one of our friends shared it in the group chat and said, you know, if this was Singleton, that would have been a touchdown. And he was 100% right because – you know, just a little bit more speed, and that and that's six, no doubt. And I was sitting there thinking about it, and that would have been an eighty-eight yard touchdown run. So, I mean, if if the if the running game really is making strides, that's because Singleton has that breakaway speed. And uh, you know, I, I hope we get to see it a lot this year. I will. I will say, if it's not making strides, then what the hell are you doing? Because <laughs> if you don't think it's making, what have you been doing? Yeah, Nothing yeah. we did last year should make should tell you we don't need to make strides in that area. So I'm glad he said it because you know he's putting it out there that they understand it's a focal point, and obviously we have to improve there because we do. But I want if if he's that guy and you're 100 percent right, that should have been a touchdown, right? And that those are the big plays Franklin's alluding to. Every interview Franklin has is we need more explosive run plays. We need to break tackles. We need to break multiple tackles and create explosive plays. That would be an explosive play. If Singleton is going to be the one to give you those explosive plays, then I want to see him as soon as possible. Yeah. And that's what I get into with Franklin. I think Lee has done some good things. I think Lee showed more burst in the bowl game than he did all year for some reason. I mean, I'm excited for it. I think there's only one way he can go up, and that's up. I I would love for them to come out the first week and establish the run game right away. Um, But, I mean, that's going to be something to watch during during camp, obviously, and then um, see how the depth chart is as follows. Uh, depending on who is RB one and RB two going into that, yeah, that'll be that'll definitely be definitely be a lot of fun to keep an eye on, and of course, well, you know, a lot of our reporters are going to be watching pretty much solely that for the rest of camp, as Nick Singleton you know, was a hot commodity. I I just want to add something uh, to the running back conversation that I think is unfair that fans do. Um, but it's only natural that fans are going to do this. We got spoiled watching Saquon Barkley play from 2016 to 2018. Beyond spoiled, right? Yeah. Dude was a dude was a freak. Uh, you know, big plays, breaking tackles. You know, this the list goes on and on, right? For for Saquon Barkley. <clears throat> Excuse me, Kavion Lee isn't Saquon Barkley, and I'm not asking him to be. So, yeah, should have the run been a touchdown if you had a running back with a little bit more speed? Yeah, I mean, it, it could have been. And maybe Singleton gives you that ability again. But to ask KV on Lee to break, um, and I'm not saying he can't, but to ask KV on Lee to give you massive explosive running plays uh, solely based on his speed, unfair because he's not as fast as, as Saquon Barkley. I think, I think Lee has the ability to be a very, very good back in particular situations, uh, you know, short yardage, third and five, maybe third and one, fourth and one. 
um, you know, fourth quarter, we need a couple rounds and this game's over. Uh, come on, big fella, let's go pound the rock, right? Um, yeah. So I, th- I think if you do that, plus Singleton, because we all know it's going to be some sort of rotation, right? At, at least this year. Um, plus Singleton, who gives you that, maybe gives you more of that big playability in the run game. Um, you know, it could be a dynamic duo for sure. So I want to see him be the Lindale White to Reggie Bush. And that would be, and obviously Reggie would be Nick Singleton. I'm not comparing them to that USC backfield. So no one, please don't, don't jump down my throat. But uh, <laughs> yeah. Lindale White was that thunder back, but he also had some highlight plays. And right. um, ob- obviously we, knew, we, knew, we know where Reggie was. Um, so that, I mean, that, that would be a nice combination to have. Just, just being, you know, honest here from, from, you know, my perception of what we've seen from him and you guys can correct me if, if, you know, if you think differently, I don't think Lee's that guy. So what Alex, what Alex just said about needing a yard, fourth and one, fourth and two, fourth and three, I don't think he's that guy. So if, if Singleton is going to be your explosive back, you know, the big hitter, you know, maybe, you know, potential home run every handoff type back. And if you're looking for somebody to be the two yards, one yard, I don't think that's Lee because Lee doesn't fall forward. So yeah. I, I, I don't know if, if that's the case. And Singleton is as advertised, and I think he's going to be. If he's that, and if Fat Man obviously does fall forward, which in his high school tape, obviously it's high school, even though it was a very reputable high school, he does fall forward and run pads down, running over people. I'm not sure where Lee's going to fit in if that's the case. Well, that's the thing. I feel like Lee, the past couple, especially last year, has put on himself the pressure to live up to a Miles Sanders, a Journey Brown, a Saquon Barkley. And that's not that's not him. He's not that guy. He he is supposed to be the guy to lower his shoulder and get you those short yardage uh, gains uh, to get you three yards in a cloud of dust. Um, and I mean, we saw way too often last year he would get the ball and instead of hitting the hole or what little hole there was because there wasn't many, um, he, he would get the ball and try to bounce outside and try to juke people out and ended up losing two, three, four, or five yards. Don't, don't be that guy. Just lower your shoulder and run, and run through somebody's face, as Marshawn Lynch would say. Um, you know, just yeah. yeah no, just, I agree with you. If he can, if he can do it, if he can run behind the pads, I'm all for it. But if he can't do it, then I don't know where he'll fit in in that room. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and 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 hopefully all of this is behind an offensive line that's playing better, right? Like whoever the guy is, if they're playing behind an offensive line like we had last year, I don't care who it is. Uh, the only guy that I can think of in years past that states for the offensive line performances we had last year is maybe Barkley. And that's a big maybe. Yeah. Um, so, so if we don't, if you don't have better offensive line play, and I'm not saying we, we will or won't, um, I, I don't think it matters. Uh, you know, you can put all the hype around Singleton you want, which I think is justified. Um, but, but the bottom line, and, and James knows this from, you know, his 
press conferences that he's given already this year. You need better offensive line play, period. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. All right, guys. So let's move on to uh, kicker and kick returner and punt returner. Um, I was I was kind of shocked to see the names that were on these uh, lists. I mean, they're good names, but there's one guy that uh, I was fully expecting to be on one of these, and uh, he's not. Uh, but we have three finalists right now for our kick and punt return duties. Um, and it has been told by Stacy Collins that this will be settled throughout, throughout camp. It's going to be, you know, narrowed down. And uh, for kick returner, we got Daquan Hardy, uh, Omari Evans, and Nick Singleton. For punt returner, we got Parker Washington, Mitchell Tinsley, and Marquise Wilson. That's interesting to me. Yeah, I don't, I don't want. I, I'm gonna be honest here. From what I saw, in in those positions, you want someone who can flat out move. You yeah, know, get north and south and move. Yeah, and I, I think Amari Evans is the guy for that. Yeah, and that that's who my pick would be. And maybe you know Singleton. I just don't know if you really want Singleton back there. If he if he's great at it, I haven't seen that. So if he's great at that, then he's great at that. And maybe that is the play. But we know Evans can flat out fly. So if that's if that's what you want, maybe that's more of a punt returner type thing. But that's just my opinion. I, I think Washington could also be a good punt returner. Um, but those are my thoughts for for those two. Yeah, I, I think I think Parker could be a good punt returner. Um, you know, or Mitchell could be a good punt returner. Uh, you know, the part that always worries me, and I still you know remember back to. 2017 you know when, when we have Barkley back there returning kicks sometimes um you always have that portion of the fan base you know why is he back there you know if he gets hurt you know that's on the coach and yada 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 it's like guys the bottom line is your best players can also play and the good teams some of their best players play special teams as well um yeah you know and special teams make a difference right so uh yeah it'll be interesting uh, to see who who comes who comes out on top with all that, but I I agree wholeheartedly with Tyler. You want you want somebody that's going to get north and south, uh, you know, can read blocks pretty well, can hit the hole uh, with speed and quickly, uh, you know, and that's the guy I want back there. Whoever that is, you know, makes no difference to me. I will fully admit, <laughs> I am part. I am partially. Let me, let me make sure I say that clearly. I am partially one of those fans that freaks out when I see a Saquon Barkley or a Jahan Dotson back there returning kicks. I understand you want your best player to touch the ball whenever they can, but uh, it's, just, it's just the... It's justified. Yeah, They're running yeah. full speed at him to kill him. Like, yeah, yeah. It, 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 the, it, it makes me nervous. All the sure. psychopaths play on special teams. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely yeah. all them you are running full speed down the field to absolutely clear somebody the fuck out yep yeah and that's what it is so it you're scares telling the shit me, out of me if if it's singleton if it's washington if it's tinsley you sure you want them back there i'm the same way i'm like what the hell is about to happen yeah i, I just get nervous not, right not that but, i don't want them to do it but uh Rightfully so, but then, but then the benefit of that is you get the 2017 kick return to start the game right at a, in the shoe. And he doesn't um, even get touched. 
Right. And and we don't need to talk about that game any further than that. Uh, and then, <laughs> I thought but you were then going you, with the Indiana one. <laughs> but, well, and, and then you also get the Indiana one too, right? Um, so, you know, that's the benefit of having a guy like Barkley back there. Well, um, yeah. The biggest sure. one, you get K.J. Hamler against App State when we were in Portage. Yeah. 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 And that was his first year starting. That was his first yeah. year playing. Yeah, yeah. Without that return, we probably don't win that game. Yeah, or yeah. not get it to overtime anyway. Absolutely. All right, guys, let's but move on to the next I, topic. Oh, yeah, go ahead. Can I can I bring up another name before we that that was mentioned uh, during media days that was kind of surprising? Uh, Johnny Dixon at cornerback, the transfer from South Carolina last year, uh, putting Tyler his name him. putting his uh-huh. name in there as. Uh, you know, a possible guy at cornerback. I think every Penn State fan kind of just thought, well, Joey Porter Jr. on one side, uh, maybe not so fast. Uh, I thought those were, I thought that was an interesting name that kind of came out of nowhere because you didn't really hear about him. You know, he transferred in last year. You didn't really hear a whole lot from him last year. Um, You know, I know we had TCF and obviously Joey on the other side, but uh, just wanted to get your guys' thoughts on, on his name being thrown out there. I believe it's from Manny Diaz that said it. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I think he's small. Um, (laughs) uh, The, the Michigan state game where he could have easily turned around and intercepted the ball when it was in the air for 10 seconds, instead of getting mossed in the right corner of the end zone. um, You know, that sticks in my head. That's the only thing I worry about him. Is he, is he big enough and physical enough to really handle the big 10 wide receivers? Like, Thing about Ohio State, right? Let's talk about the games that you know you're really gonna get in the air, right? Ohio State. Is he gonna be able to match up with anybody from Ohio State? <laughs> I can't oh, I mean, I, say, I yeah. Well, unfortunately, I have the same question for Kalen King. Um, you know, that's not to throw any of our cornerbacks under the bus, but you know, I have the same question for Joey Porter. Uh, when you're talking about Ohio State, but um. But yeah, I don't. I don't know. I just thought, you know, I, I think I think you're going to see a rotation um, in that in that cornerback uh, room in terms of everybody's going to play. Uh, you know, I think Marquise yeah. Wilson's going to play. Daquan Hardy's going to play. Um, you know, so I mean, Johnny Dixon throwing his name in there and you know performing well at camp uh, isn't going to isn't going to hurt anything, right? So yeah, it I. It makes me excited for the cornerback room even more so than what I was um, because, yeah, he, he's kind of a forgotten name back there. Um, and like you mentioned, we knew going into the season, it's, you know, JPJ, uh, Kalen King, Daquan Hardy. Those those guys were basically slotted as starters since the last since last season ended. And um, it, it's great to hear Johnny Dixon's name pop up again, because that means you know, he, he is performing well. I wouldn't say that anybody else is not performing well uh, because, you know, we, we know the commodities that we have in the other three. Um, but Johnny Dixon was definitely a question mark last year, which surprised me, by the way, because he was a transfer from South Carolina and he was a starter. I know South Carolina isn't, you know, in Alabama or anything, but <laughs> they're playing these SEC schools. And to be a starter, that transfers to be an SEC starter that transfers into the Big Ten, you get excited about that, right? Yeah. And uh, you know, I I just didn't see him live up to the hype last year. So, you know, fingers crossed that he can, um, you know, do that this year. Yeah. 
for sure. All right, guys, let's move into uh, our next topic. We're going to be handing out some season superlatives for our football team. Um, just a bit of a fun topic here. Um, we got offensive player of the year, defensive player of the year, newcomer, and most improved player. Um, so let's start off with offensive player of the year. Who who do you think that's going to be after this season? Um, I, I can go ahead, Alex. Um, I think the offensive player of the year this year, uh, I think it's going to be Sean. Um I think, Better be right. I think it has to be Sean. Um, yeah. If it's Sean, <laughs> then we got a real issue on our hands um, because you can't have Parker Washington without Sean. You can't have Mitchell Tinsley without Sean. You can't have, can't even really have Nicholas Singleton without Sean. Um, so I think it has to be Sean. I think you know if we get pre-injury at Iowa, Sean, then who knows what he's going to do this year, right? Um, but I think offensive, it has to be Sean, uh, leader of the team. Been there since he was 14, it seems like, at this point. So, um, I think, uh, defensively, um, I really, really like Jair Brown. Um, I, I think that's kind of who you have to go with. He's going to be kind of the captain of the defense, the field. I like team. him too, yeah. Um, I think, you know, from what I've heard about Cam, they, they have a great room. The safety room's been great. Um, so, I think he's going to help not only – amp up Penn State's defense again uh, where we did lose some people but also help make sure the other safeties and younger guys are in a position um, from a field general perspective to help us win games as well. Um, Newcomer of the year, I think it's pretty easy for me. I think it's probably going to be Tinsley or Chop Robinson on both sides of the ball, right? Um, Obviously, they're both transfers. Uh, I know Tinsley was highly touted as previous school Franklin loves him already here. I know he's rooming with Sean. Um, so that may, yeah. may only look at him and Parker Washington this year. That's to be find out. Um, but I think those two will be really impactful for us. Obviously, Chop on the other side of the ball at a position we're replacing two solid guys for us. Um, so I think those are my two guys for that. And then obviously the freshman I think is going to have the biggest impact um, for newcomer of the year. I, I think it's probably going to be Singleton. I hope it's Singleton. Um, if everything goes as planned, I'm sure it will be. So that's who I would go with there. Most improved player would be kind of difficult for me. Um, I, you know, I would love to say my boy, Jonathan, but (laughs) that's what I was just thinking. I I don't, I don't see that happening. Um, (laughs) I, I don't know if I can do that. Um, I think most improved player, you could pick anyone on the offensive line because they have so much they could be better at. Um, I think it's going to be Lambert Smith. Uh, I think a lot of a lot of eyes are going to be on Washington and Tinsley. I That's think a good that, pick. I think that opens up a lot of opportunities for Keandre. Um, he's from the seven five seven. I love that. It's my hometown. Um, so yeah, that those are my picks. I really, really, really hope Keandre breaks out this year because I think he if if he's going to do it, it's going to be this year. He'll have more opportunities. There'll be softer coverage on him. I think that's the guy for, for the breakout and most improved for us. Um, I'll try and rattle these off as fast as Tyler did. Um, offensive player of the year for me, I'm going to try and not pick what Tyler picked either because that's just boring. Um, offensive player of the year for me, you know, I agree with Tyler. Sean, you know, kind of needs to be the guy, right? But um, yeah, I, I'm going to go with Parker. Uh, I absolutely love that kid. Uh, I think he has so much talent, so much 
uh, potential even to play. I, I know he's a smaller guy, but even to play at the next level, um, I think, you know, he catches anything that's, that's near him. Um, I, I think he's yeah. going to have huge, I think he's going to put up huge numbers. Um, you know, I, I put out a tweet the other day that I didn't think Parker was getting the, the recognition nationally that I feel he deserves. He um, yeah, because of that sure. other guy, mostly because of that other guy at Ohio State, which rightfully so deserves all the recognition he's getting. But I think Parker, I don't want to say is on his level, but is just, you know, a tick underneath him, right? Like, he's just outstanding. So I'm going to go with, with Parker for Offensive Player of the Year. Um, defensive Player of the Year, boy, that's a tough one because I think it could be – I think it could be a couple people – um, I think Tig is the easy choice. Um, yeah, I look for big things from PJ Must Mustafer, to be honest with you. Um, I-, I think him coming back is a huge, huge deal for Penn State. You know, not just along the offensive line, but for that defense in- as a whole. Uh, veteran guy, classy guy, uh, loves loves the program, loves Penn State. Um you know, he was having a really good year before his injury at Iowa. So um, if his injury, you know, isn't hindering him a whole lot and he's back completely healthy, which all reports seem to say he is, um, you know, I expect big things from him. So I think I'll go with him. And, and, you know, that's weird to say defensive player of the year is going to be a defensive tackle, but I I truly feel that's how important he is to this, to this defense. Um, So I'm going to go for him. Biggest newcomer, um, God, probably Mitchell Tinsley. If I'm going to be honest, uh, you know, yeah. big shoes to, big shoes to fill. Uh, you know, trying to, well, not trying to replace Jahan, but with Jahan gone, uh, you know, I I've heard nothing but good things. Seems like he's fitting into the offense pretty nice uh, from what we've heard at camp. So, I'll go with Mitchell. Um, I only give you one there. Uh, you know, I'm not sure about, you know, at one point I probably would have said Hunter, uh, because I, you know, I thought he was just going to slot right in there, but I guess I should wait and see if he's actually, you know, going to be the starter first. But I think Hunter (laughs) has the, I think Hunter has the chance to be, you know, a big impact guy, kind of solidify one of those guard spots, uh, for us. And then, uh, what was the last one? Most improved? Yes. Oh boy! See, that's a tough one because a lot of people, a lot of people are so young. Um, I'll go on a limb. I'll, I'll, I'm going to say KV on Lee is going to be most improved. Ooh. Um I don't know why I'm saying that. To be honest with you, but but, but I, I I feel like the kid. Um, I feel like the kid's going to come out, you know, with a little bit of chip on his shoulder. Uh, really no Penn State fans talking about him, to be honest with you. Um, everyone's talking about Singleton. Um, I think that's going to piss him off. I don't think he's going to like that. Uh, I think he's, he's, he's going to – I don't, I don't want to say he wasn't playing hard or working hard before because I'm sure he was. But, um, you know, when you got that little extra – right? like, you know, I need to step my shit up, um, that can do big things for a player. So, um yeah, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with Lee for most improved. That's not. That's honestly not a bad pick. 
you know, because you, you think back to the bowl game, and Tyler alluded to it earlier. Uh, Lee looked the best he looked all year in the bowl game last year. And maybe that, maybe that had to do with him playing in his uh, hometown, essentially. Um, well, and very, you also rem- so could have. One in that bowl game, you also had Tangwell and Olu Fashanu uh, pancaking people on the left side of that offensive line. Like that makes a difference, yeah. right? Oh yeah, yeah. But then you also add in the fact that reports are that he's slimmed down a bit. Um, yeah, no, I'm I'm totally with you, Alex. I I can see him um, being a very very improved player. Uh, but I'm gonna go down my list here. Um, I'm with I'm with you, Alex, on offensive player of the year. I think, you know, I, yeah, you know, Tyler's right. If it's not Sean Clifford, something went wrong. But that doesn't mean necessarily, you know, the world ended or anything. Um, you know, we, we have some confidence in our backup quarterback now. But, you know, knock on wood, I hope nothing happens to Sean. But, you know, if something does, Parker Washington is the focal point of this offense, at least at the moment. Um and you, you think back to last year, he, he caught everything, like you said, Alex. He, he catches everything that's coming his way. But they were also able to get him passes on a swing route where he would get it behind the line of scrimmage and run for about 8 to 10 yards. And that, that was our running game for half the year last year. Um, and I think we're going to see – I mean, hopefully not – that as our running game this year but we're going to see parker quite a bit and we know how he is in the open field the dude is shifty he can make some people miss he can straight up make people look stupid and uh he's gonna be a lot of fun to watch um my defensive player of the year i'm going to go separate from both of you and go with arguably our third best player on the defense and that's curtis jacobs um, I mean, actually, arguably fourth best player on the defense because okay. none of us have mentioned Joey Porter Jr. But I think it's going to be uh, Curtis Jacobs. He is going to be so vital for our for our linebacker play this year. He's going to set the tone. He's he played a lot his freshman year. He was a starter last year. I wouldn't say a lot his freshman year, but he played quite a bit. And. I, I'm just really looking forward to him taking that next step on the field and as a leader. And uh, the linebacker unit's going to need it. Um, I, I Obviously, I know Sutherland is older than him, but Sutherland needs to learn how to play the position. And who better to teach him than Curtis Jacobs? Um, so I, I think he's going to be the defensive player of the year. Um, newcomer of the year. That's For a transfer... I think I'm with you on Mitchell Tinsley, just knowing that he's been rooming with Sean Clifford. I mean, obviously they're going to have a bit of a connection this year. So I, I think it's going to be Tinsley. And then for a freshman, I'm going to go away from Nick Singleton and I'm going to say Abdul Carter. We talked about him a bit earlier. He looks incredible. He looks like a guy that is college ready right now. Um, and you know, he, like I said, he's going to be a player. It's going to be hard to keep him off the field, no matter where you put him, he's going to make plays, whether that be middle linebacker, outside linebacker or defensive end, 
he's going to be at the ball. And I think, obviously, it's not going to be um, up front, so maybe he's not good for freshman newcomer of the year. But if he comes on, you know, say week four or five, six, and just starts making incredible plays, he can rise to that really fast. Um, so I'm going to go with Abdul Carter there. And then my most improved player, uh, he hasn't won the job yet. So, you know, take this with a grain of salt. But I do feel like Jake Penninger is going to be the starter week one. And I feel like he's going to be very, very improved. Um, we, saw, we saw how bad he was in the, uh, in the bowl game last year against Arkansas. I mean, that kick was just absolutely fucking pathetic where he kicked it like 15 yards wide. That was, that, that was one of the worst kicks I've ever seen. So you want to talk about someone who, re- who has nowhere to go but up? It's him. Um, so, yeah, if he wins the job and starts week, week one, um, reports are right now he's striking it well. You know, hopefully that continues and uh, he can be consistent for us. You know, I, I think back to a guy named Sam Ficken. Um, <laughs> we, all, we all know his struggles uh, when, when he was a starter here at Penn State for that first year. Uh, going back to that Virginia game, he missed like a million kicks. And then, um, you know, he was straight money the next few years until he left. <laughs> and he, he's been making a name for himself in the league, too. So, you know, I, I have a lot of confidence that Penninger can – you know, turn it around. And uh, like you guys mentioned, it, you know, it's always nice to have a young guy behind you pushing you. And uh, that's the case with Jake Pinniger, because uh, he has a, a young a young buck right there behind him. And uh, Sander, uh, I'm going to botch this last name, but Sahadic or Sahadic, however the hell you say it, dude is a stud. And uh, Pinniger feels the pressure right now, for sure. Um, so I want to move on to the next topic i initially had it set for the big 10 outlook but i want to switch gears and uh, get get a bit rowdy here let's talk about the coaches poll that came out today some very interesting stuff um if i say so myself um you know first and foremost penn state is not on there which i don't deem as bad but um you know, the, these rankings are uh, pretty damn interesting. What do you think, Tyler? Yeah, you know, I, I, I just don't really understand some of the, the names in, in schools on here. Um, you know, obviously, I'm a, I'm a Penn State fan. Obviously, Penn State, I think, was 27th, they said, when it shook out. Uh, so they were off by, what, two spots? So really not a big deal. But yeah. to me, and, and I'm, you know, trying not to be a homer when I, when I say this and, you know, I, I usually try to be pretty realistic. Um, I, I don't, I'm looking at this shit. I mean, Penn state could be 14, 15 on this. I don't, um, <laughs> with some of the, some of the names on here, like I, I, I Oklahoma state at 11, uh, Michigan state has a lot of unproven things this year, just like we do. You could argue we're in a better spot than Michigan state and they're at 14. Um, Pitt is at 16, Texas at 18, Wisconsin at 20 with Graham Mertz, which is obviously Braylon Allen's phenomenal, but Mertz sucks. He's worse, <laughs> yeah, he's than, dog he's, shit. He's worse than Clifford, um, <laughs> yeah. with way less weapons on the outside than Clifford. 
straight hot dog water. Kentucky, so Will Levis, without most, I would say most of his production from last year, will not be there this year. Yeah. Cincinnati without the quarterback, obviously, and defense led by Sauce Gardner. There's just a lot of things on here that, to me, I, I don't understand how we got here. So, I like, I saw Iowa was the team in front of Penn State, right, at 26. I, I would say on paper and what you saw from the game they did play last year when Clifford was playing, I don't understand how we get to the point of all of these teams that I mentioned being far in front ahead of Penn State. And I I I know it's the coaches poll, so it's not – you know, the end-all, be-all, obviously, into the AP poll, AP poll comes out next Monday. Um, but I, I just think some of these are pretty atrocious. And I think it, it's on par for, obviously, the coaches' poll. I know last year was just as bad. I don't think they had Michigan or Michigan State last year. Um, so it, it's just on brand for, for a trash coaches' poll that we get on a weekly basis. You know, for those that maybe didn't see it, Penn State's not ranked in the current coaches' poll, which – uh, you know, a lot of people would say is justified uh, with how last season went, obviously. Um, so. But, you know, just just some just some names, just some schools in there that I that I think um, I don't see it. I guess, um, you know, other than that, if you look at the coaches pull, the top three, I believe, uh, is uh, Alabama, Ohio State and Georgia. Yeah. And and then Clemson is number four. <laughs> other those top three. Out of the whole 25, only those top three can't be argued. I right. think Clemson at, I think Clemson at four can be argued. I think, oh my I, God, think I believe yeah. I believe Notre Dame is at five. That can be argued. Um, if you keep moving down further, I think OU at number nine could be argued. I think Pitt at 16 could be argued. I think USC at 15 could be argued. Um, I think Michigan State is like 11th or 13th maybe i think they could i think they could be argued um you know the one that me the the most nuts and maybe it's just because of who it is was Pitt. um they lose kenny pickett (laughs) who had a monster year last year and they lost their best weapon their wide receiver leaves and went to usc so to think that Pitt's offense is going to be anything like it was Last year, in my opinion, now obviously I don't keep track of Pitt that well. Um, I think it's crazy. Uh, yes, I know they won the ACC last year in a year that Clemson had their worst year since Dabo got there. So, it, you know, Pitt at 16, it, you know, I think is, is nuts. Um, USC at 15. I also think it's crazy. Do I think USC will be better? Yes, I do. I know they got Caleb Williams out there now. I know they have Lincoln Riley. You know, I, I'm sorry, but, like, come come on. Like, they're probably a four-loss team, if I'm going to be honest. Um, yeah. You know, I, I, I don't see them, you know, having 10 wins. I don't see them winning the Pac-12. I think Utah is going to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, so – I think USC was was kind of crazy. Clemson at four is <laughs> that's ba- fucking like, crazy. Like like baffling to me. Yeah. Um, you know, as much as I understand Penn State not being ranked, I don't know how you can have Clemson ranked at four after the year they had last year. Um, 
their defense is probably going to be really good because uh, they got some crazy-ass talent over there. But what's their quarterback play going to look like? You, you know, like there's there's some huge question marks around college football um, for all these teams. So that that's the reason why I think Oklahoma at number nine is kind of crazy. Brand new yeah. coach, you lost your quarterback. Um, now I know they brought in that transfer, uh, and now Dylan his name, Gabriel, yeah, yeah. So they brought him in, like you know, that's great. But you know, is he Caleb Williams? You know, it's a brand new offense. It's a different offense. Um, you know, you're still playing in the big 12. I know it's not, you know, sec or big 10 type conference, but you know, it's still a good conference, right? Um, I think they have too many questions to have them at number nine. Um, all these teams can be argued. And I'm not saying the teams that I've mentioned shouldn't be ranked in the top 25. Now, granted, I don't think Pitt should be ranked in the top 25. Um, (laughs) I will say that. Now, I think OU should be ranked. I think Clemson should be ranked. I, I'm not saying any of that. But um, it, it just kind of goes to show that preseason rankings are dumb and shouldn't exist. Yeah. Um, because there's so many questions, right? Uh, new coaches, new systems with the transfer portal. It's like the NFL. New players. How are they going to fit in? Uh, you know, new teammates. The list goes on and on and on. So to try and make a preseason – top 25 is crazy i mean you have a you you have clemson who lost what three games last year four games last year i forgot yeah were. something like that uh, i think it was four. you have, you have somebody that lost three or four games last year at number four in the country right you have a playoff team <laughs> you have a playoff team last year at what 22 or 23 in cincinnati now yeah. granted i know it's cincinnati and the, you know they're not a power five and all that stuff i I get that, but that's why these are so dumb. <laughs> but, but yeah, I mean, are they going to look like that when the season's over? Of course not. They never do, right? You know, Michigan was unranked last year, won the Big Ten, goes to the playoff. Um, you know, Penn State's unranked right now. I think they're going to be ranked uh, by the end of the year. I really do. So, you know, it is what it is. It makes it fun to talk about. Um, yeah. But – in in reality, the coaches poll, the AP poll, you know, all these other ones uh, that they have, it seems like everybody has some type of poll now. Um, they really shouldn't come out till about for like after the first week of conference play. Um, yeah, I'd say which, about week four. Which is different. You know, obviously the Big Ten starts their conference play right away now. But um, but yeah, to have it before week four or five is is stupid in my opinion. Yeah, I um, <laughs> it's pretty funny because I had someone tell me today that uh, the the coaches poll is based off of what last year's poll ended up being, and um, I don't remember if Clemson was on last year's uh, coaches poll or not, but they sure as shit were not number four, and um, <laughs> yeah, like you said, I know their defense is going to be amazing, but I mean, god damn, they lost two coordinators. Their quarterback last year was ass. And now I believe in him being better, but go back to they lost their offensive and defensive coordinator. How can you, you can't justify putting them at number four? You just can't. Um, you know, <laughs> Oklahoma, yeah, they, they lost their head coach and they lost Caleb Williams. And, you know, sure, they brought in Dylan Gabriel, but 
are they really can you really sit there and tell me that right now they're the ninth best team in uh college football especially with the shit that went on yesterday and uh apparently the then apparently Brent, Brent Venables tried to tell the players to keep quiet about it and those of you who don't know what I'm talking about Kale Gundy the assistant head coach and wide receiver coach at Oklahoma um apparently said the n-word and yeah he resigned but supposedly now this is coming from gundy's daughter so you know take that as far as you want but supposedly brent venables told the team to shut up about it not say a damn thing so i don't know man there's some trouble brewing down in uh, norman uh, yeah, that's yeah. a pretty that's a pretty big shit show at the moment. Um, yeah, you know, of course, of course, you have all the outsiders, um, you know, throwing in their two cents, uh, you know, and they don't know, you know, anything about it. Most likely, um, you know, I saw uh, what Gundy's daughter uh, tweeted. I believe she tweeted it out. Yeah. Um, um, you know, and and incredible. and. And yeah, if if that if that's true and nobody knows if it's true, you know, it's not a great look for Brent. Obviously, um, you know, I I don't I don't want to sit here and speculate anything, right? Because we just don't know. Um, but you know, I know he resigned. Ven- Venables put out a statement today, um, an apologetic statement saying that it's unacceptable. You know, that kind of thing. So, whatever happened behind closed doors, none of us know, right? So let's not speculate anything. But uh, but in terms of handling it, OU is handling it the best way you can, uh, at least publicly, right? Yeah. Obviously, what Gundy's daughter said throws all of that into question, right? Um, but I just don't want us or, you know, people listening to speculate and be like, oh, you know, Venables is this or that. Like, no, no, right. no, no. Yeah. We yeah. don't know We're for sure, that. right? Right. So... Uh, one more thing I wanted to point out about this uh, poll, and then we can move on to the last topic of the day. Um, how in the fuck did the number 18 team in the country get a first place vote? And I'm talking about Texas. <laughs> what the hell is going on there? Well, te- Texas is back, baby. Don't you? Don't you? <laughs> who, I would love to know who the number one, who voted them number one, uh, you know, because this is coaches voting. Um, I think 65 of them do. Uh, James Franklin has a vote. Uh, like, did Sark vote <laughs> them number one? You know, it was like that right. year. Uh, it was like that year. Um, who was it? Uh, was it Dabo that that uh, put Ohio voted Ohio State like number 11 or something <laughs> in the country, and then and yeah. then Ohio State went absolutely trounced them in the playoffs yeah, that year. Smoked them. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, talk about justice, right? I mean, that would <laughs> had to be like one of the best feelings in the world. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I mean, and that's with all these polls, right? You look at the AP poll because they do put out voter sheets for those. I mean, you just you just really got to question some of these quote-unquote media insider people that yeah. that uh that vote the way they do it's like do you do you not watch college football do you not what what earth are you on right <laughs> um you know texas at number one is stupid right it's absolutely it's completely asinine um you know i don't even know if they should be 18 um you know texas is 
been back for the last decade, it seems like. Um, and they're still not back. So, you know, let's see. You know, I think Sark is building something down there. I think Texas is a team to look out for. Um, even when they go to the SEC, I, I think I think he's doing it the right way. They're recruiting. You know, he's bringing in some major talent, especially offensively. So their defense will probably be the question. But, um, you know, are they the 18th best team in the country right now? Eh, you know, and I don't know what their schedule looks like. Um, so, you know, maybe, maybe they are right. You know, I still don't think they're going to go beat Oklahoma this year. I don't think they win the big 12 this year. Um, so, so yeah, I don't know. I mean, I mean, there's, there's lots on here. Um, I think Baylor at number, I think Baylor at number 10 is interesting. I think a team that lost to Utah twice at number 12 is interesting. Um, in Oregon, um, I mean, NC state's at 13, like what? Like, I know NC State's decent, but, like, come on. Uh, Wisconsin at number 20, uh, you know, seems like they're always in that range. But, you know, like, for some Big Ten teams, because I'm sure, you know, people tuning in are more in tune with the Big Ten. Um, the Big Ten teams that are ranked are Ohio State at two, Michigan is at six, which I think is interesting. Like, why isn't Michigan four? Playoff team. I know they lost some talent, but they return a lot of talent. Um, why well, couldn't no, they be fourth? That that's the that's one of the few rankings that I feel is justified because Michigan, yeah, they, they return a lot, and you know they they have a really talented quarterback, but they also lost what is it eight coaches, and yeah. uh, I mean that that's huge. Um, but the talent is still there, and that's what matters. So I I think them being dropped a couple spots is warranted, but to have them replaced at four with fucking Clemson. Oh my God. What the hell are you doing? And I mean, Utah's at number eight. A lot of people have Utah winning the Pac-12 and possibly going to the playoff. Yeah, you honestly, Utah should have been, Utah should have been four. They gave Ohio State a you fight know, for their life. You know, I understand this isn't, you know, who who is the best team or who is going to be the best team at the end of the year. I understand this isn't that right. But um, yeah. And, and you know how the committee selects playoff teams compared to, you know, how the coaches rank teams is obviously different as well. But um, yeah, there's, there's a lot on here. Wake Forest is at 19. Uh, Michigan state is at 14. I, I honestly feel Michigan state won't be ranked. I think Michigan state will have four losses, but, yeah, that can be a that can be a conversation for another time. Someone pointed out um, <laughs> that maybe it was Mac Brown that voted for Texas to be number one. Someone's going to have to own that. The Texas. That's something that needs to be talked about because that makes absolutely no sense. There is no selling point for me on that. Miami, you could argue the same thing, even though they brought in, in a, what I would call probably an elite coaching staff across the board. Um, but they still haven't proven anything. So I I don't understand that. Like, and for a coach to go out on a whim and and put Texas at number one, that had to be Kansas just dicking around or something. Cause that, that makes absolutely no sense. (laughs) I don't understand that at all. And, and the Clemson to my point earlier, NC state is up there who I think I, 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 I would say NC state does deserve to be there with who they have coming back. I think it's like 10 on both sides of the ball. It's something ridiculous. 
but what makes Clemson higher than NC State? Yeah, it Didn't doesn't NC make State any just sense. Beat them? Yeah, they beat them last year. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah, like you might as well put fucking UNC on there too. Like, what's the point? <laughs> like, I, I don't, I don't understand. So that that is a, a huge mystery to me for sure. Yeah, it's it's always very stupid, but it gets people talking. And uh, it drives ratings for the games at the, at the beginning of the year. That's exactly why they do it. Yeah. Just and to the, get people talking. The AP poll, I mean, I think the AP poll will be more of the same. Like, I think, I think the AP poll might put Penn State around 18, 17, maybe 20, and they won't rank Purdue so they can have that narrative if Purdue wins that they beat a ranked team at home, et cetera, et cetera. But I, I just – I thought this was terrible. We've had some bad ones over the past couple of years, but this one's really bad. Yeah. Very much so. All right, man. I want to ask you, Tyler, yep. what are your favorite non-conference matchups going into this season? Yeah, I think <clears throat> I think there's a couple big ones, actually. Obviously, most of them are week one, right? Um, the big one, obviously, relative to Penn State and the Big Ten. Obviously, Notre Dame at, at Ohio State. Um, I think Notre Dame's going to get dragged in this game. Um, I, 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 first of all, I, I hate Notre Dame. I think, I think they're a joke and I'm tired of not being in a conference. That's a discussion for a different time. But, um, yeah, I think, I think Notre Dame gets dragged at Ohio state on September 3rd. Um, I think Ohio state might score 50 something points on them, to be honest with you. Um, I am really excited for that game, um, because it's Notre Dame, right. And they're obviously a college football blue bud. And then obviously Ohio state is at the top of relevance right now. Right. So. Um, an undervalued game week one, I would say West Virginia at Pitt's going to be interesting for the backyard brawl. And that's um, a good one. I'm excited for that one. I would like to see West Virginia win that, obviously. I don't know if they're going to, um, but I would love to see that. Um, that, that, uh, West Virginia Pitt game, that, that's a game that's featuring two former USC quarterbacks. You got, uh, yep. JT Daniels there for West Virginia. Obviously he was at Georgia in between. And then, uh, for Pitt, you got, uh, Keaton Slovis. Yeah. And then I got um, just the final two here. There's just so many, bro. It's, it's so hard to pick from. Um, Utah, Florida is a great one. I actually think Florida might beat Utah. Uh, week one. Uh, they're going to the swamp. Um, I'm not big on the swamp in comparison to some Big Ten venues, but um, I think there's a lot, of, a lot of unknown at Florida this year. If, if Anthony Richardson shows up, I mean, it could be – I mean, they could make a movie for sure, so – um, that'll be interesting. And then obviously Dan Lanning's first game with the Ducks is against his former employer at Georgia. So, um, yeah, Oregon versus Georgia is an interesting game too. Don't think Georgia will have a problem, but out of all of them, most excited Notre Dame at Ohio state, Ohio state probably by 30 plus. So that's where I'm at. Ohio state, Notre Dame week one is a fascinating matchup. Um, yeah, because I think, because I think Ohio State could possibly beat them by a large margin, um, or <laughs> it could, or it could be way closer than we think. Um, and and the part that really makes it intriguing is the fact that you know if Brian Kelly was still at Notre Dame, it probably wouldn't be, you know, it would still be a big matchup, but it probably wouldn't be quite as interesting. You know, Marcus Freeman, brand new job. You know, I know he's been there a while, but. He's the former head coach Buckeye now. too. Right. He's the head coach now of a blue blood, you know, 
absolutely monster program, right? Um, you know, and I hate Notre Dame, but uh, here, here we go, right? Like your first test is Ohio State. Like talk about a <laughs> talk about a welcome to college football, right? Uh, week one, let's go face maybe probably you know could be the best offense in college football this year. Um, that's yeah. a very interesting matchup, especially given that it's week one and we just don't know, right? Like we don't know what exactly Notre, like they're probably going to be decent, but we don't know exactly what Notre Dame is going to be. Uh, we have a pretty good idea what Ohio state's offense is going to be. Um, so yeah, that's definitely an interesting, interesting, uh, game for sure. Um, and then Alabama, Texas, you know, that's, that's interesting too, but it probably won't be much of a game if I'm gonna, if I'm going to be honest with you. Yeah, now, I, Texas isn't isn't hanging with Alabama. They're just and not. That's, uh, and that's why I'm I sorry that one at all. Um, you know, I don't know. To be honest, I don't know a ton of other uh, non conference games because they're just, uh, you know, those are the the big marquee. Those are the uh, ones matchups. that are getting all the hype. Right, right. Um, and, and, you know, and obviously Penn State Auburn is, is a big one. I think that one's interesting, too. I know you said not to mention that, but uh, okay. that's going to be a big test um, for Penn State uh, with it being down in Alabama. So, yeah, I mean, those are those are the big three on my radar. Um, and, and I think <laughs> and I think. Uh, I think probably all three of them have the potential to not be close. Yeah, I'm with you. I went a little bit off the radar. I'm just going to give one because we're we've been on we've been at this for a bit now. Um, <laughs> I'm just going to give you one. It's not high. It's not a high profile game by any means, but it's going to be a damn good one. I'm going with Fresno State at USC. That's going to be, I believe, week two or week three. And I'm saying this, and I know probably a lot of our listeners are not familiar with Fresno. Well, I'm going to make you a bit familiar. Last year, Fresno State beat UCLA in Pasadena. UCLA later goes on to smash Notre Dame by, I think it was 28. Now, I... I'm sorry, not Notre Dame, USC. I don't know why the hell I just said Notre Dame. UCLA went on to smash USC. 66 to 38 or something like that. Like, they, they well, killed them. Well, and, correct and I, me if I'm wrong. Fresno State was a top 25 team for quite a while. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And um, their quarterback, Jake Hayner, and their wide receiver, Jalen Cropper, they're probably the best quarterback wide receiver duo in the country. I that's a that's a bold statement. <laughs> well, I think it's <laughs> true. Those guys were absolutely crazy last year. Hayner threw for thirty three touchdowns and six interceptions, and Jalen Cropper caught eleven of those touchdowns. Um, he so, also had eighty five catches for nine hundred yards. You know, the yards isn't crazy, but those, those two dudes have a connection, and I mention this all the time. I watched one of their games last year. I think it was UNLV, and Cropper had five touchdown catches from Hayner. 
yeah, I I can't get on that train. Um, <laughs> I, I obviously respect your opinion. Um, but, I mean, C.J. Stroud and JSN are still in, in college, so I, I don't I, – I can't get behind that. Um, well, I say that because um, – Jake Hayner, I mean, he had an incredible season last year. He went yeah. for 33 touchdowns and six interceptions, and Jalen Cropper caught 11 of them. So he had a third of Hayner's touchdowns, and they were just incredible to watch last year. I don't, I don't know how much watch, I don't know how much Fresno you watched last year, but damn, they were they were fun to watch. Yeah, I um I will say I think USC is going to win that game by 20 plus, but. <laughs> um, um, USC's defense is going to be interesting this year, though. You know, they, I think they lost like eight starters, so I, I don't, I don't know what's going to happen. Um, but if they lose that game, I mean, obviously that's a that's a huge blow <laughs> to them. Well, you throw you throw in the fact that they are not afraid to go to Southern California and play a team or beat a team. They've won their last four games against UCLA. And although they don't have a great record against USC, whenever they play them, they play them extremely tough, like extremely tough. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I'm going to go with that one. Well, I'm just going to throw in one more here because I just thought of it and I looked it up to make sure that I was not uh, an idiot and thinking uh, about it. Um, Nebraska plays Oklahoma week four. Yeah. That's another that one. Is, that is that uh, is an intriguing one for sure. Um, you know, I, I know Nebraska was, you know, three and nine last year with you know, however many one possession losses they had. Um, lots of questions that Scott, you know, about Scott Frost and you know what's what's his future look like there. Um, I'm not saying Nebraska is going to beat Oklahoma, but it is in Lincoln. Uh, that place is always full. I'm sure it'll be, you know, fired up for that one. Uh, when the Sooners come to town, former Big 12 rivals for, you know, ever. Uh, yeah, I mean, you want to talk about a blue blood, you know, awesome college football matchup, right? It, it would it would probably be – it would be really awesome if Nebraska was projected to be like a 10-win team, right? Because that would yeah. be a monster – that would be a monster mashup. People would be um, talking about that way more. Oh, man. I mean, that would just be huge, right? Because those fan bases are rabid um, and yeah. everywhere. Um, so Nebraska's not there yet. I, I do think they can get there, uh, but that's another topic. Um, so, yeah, that's that's another one to, to look out for. That, that could be a fun one in Lincoln. Yeah, that's one that I had circled. And, um, you know, for, for everything that you just mentioned – both teams have significant additions this offseason. And I, and I know Oklahoma, you can, you know, their fans might say that they lost more than, that, than they gained, but they gained some pretty damn good coaches and uh, players. Yeah. Um, Brent Venables is no joke. He's an excellent defensive coordinator. They snagged Jeff Libby from Ole Miss, who right. I mean, he's an absolute stud of an offensive coordinator. And then they got Dylan Gabriel from UCF, or I'm sorry, I forget, I forget if he was at FSU last year or not. But nonetheless, they snagged Dylan Gabriel. He's a dog. Like, he's a 4,000-yard mm-hmm. passer. Yep. And then at Nebraska, 
they brought in Mark Whipple, who was another top offensive coordinator last year. I mean, he, he had Kenny Pickett and Jordan Addison playing ridiculous ball. He had he had an yeah. offense that was really good, you know, despite yeah. what dumbass Narduzzi says. He, he's a, he's yeah, a great, yeah, he's a great coordinator. So they yeah, bring in Mark best Whipple. offenses in the country. Yeah. And then uh, Casey Thompson. And I know, you know, there's quite a few people who he, he's a polarizing figure. Um, but Casey Thompson has some talent. And I don't know if he's definitely slated to be the starter at, at Nebraska. I need to talk to Juan about that. But I think uh, just additions alone make that an intriguing matchup. Because, yeah, those are uh, – Well, and, are and, and I – one, I don't know – you know, obviously this Oklahoma team could be different than Oklahoma teams in years past. But how many times in years past – obviously I would expect with a guy like Venables uh, now running the show, I would expect that Oklahoma defense to be a little bit more solid than they were in years past, right? Like that Oklahoma defense was like Swiss cheese at times. Um, they just luckily had an offense that could keep up most of the time. Um, but Oklahoma over the last couple of years just seems like that team. Like, yeah, you could you could get the good Oklahoma and the defense is going to lock you down. Their offense is going to put up 50. Or you could get that Oklahoma that the offense is still going to put up 50, but the defense is going to you know, give up 700 total yards of offense. Right. Um, so I think that makes it interesting because Oklahoma has been kind of that, you know, how many Red River games have we watched over the last couple of years where, you know, Texas, well, Texas came out and dropped, what, 28 points there in, you know, first quarter a couple of years ago. It was 28 to three, uh, you know, and here comes Oklahoma storming back because their offense, you know, was ridiculous with Lincoln Riley. So um, obviously I think, some of that might change with the new regime that came in. Um, but yeah, that matchup is super interesting for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Again, guys, thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the Nittany pod. Uh, we have a lot of fun and we look forward to bringing you guys a lot more fun content in the future. Um, Don't forget to like us on iTunes, like us on Spotify. That way you keep up to date on every episode that is dropped. Uh, Follow us on Twitter at The Nittany Pod. And uh, we look forward to interacting with each and every one of you that listen to our podcast. We are open to um, input. We are open to ideas. And uh, we're even open to having people on the show. Um, So definitely reach out to us. We love to interact. And uh, have a wonderful day, guys. Take care.